This podcast is reserved for audiences 18 years and older. Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Our next guest has been active in the leather community since 2017. Their involvement includes starting the Trans Leather and Kink Collective in San Diego, California. She identifies as a leather dominant and currently holds the title of Miss San Diego Leather 2019. Get ready for some more leather talk. This is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have Seraphine. Hi, Seraphine. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, Seraphine, for those of us who might not be familiar with you, could you give us a little snapshot of who you are? Yeah, so my name is Seraphine. Um, I'm Miss San Diego Leather 2019 plus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> through, through COVID. Um, let's see, my gender identity, I'm a, uh, I'm a trans woman. Um, my sexual orientation is I am all over the map. Uh, all of it, all of it, like pan, all of it so much. Okay. Uh, I've been in the leather community really since about 2017, 2018, really November 20, 2017. And, um, and then, yeah, my titles are Miss San Diego Leather. And that's, uh, and uh, yeah, my significant leadership roles, I guess. One thing I was, I started the San Diego Trans Leather and King Collective okay. in San Diego for a while. And that w- went through the beginning of COVID. Um, and then I just, uh, yeah, that's about it. Okay. Nothing too extraordinary about me. Well, I think you're extraordinary, especially after our initial talk preparing for this recording today. But we'll get into it. So, mm-hmm. okay, so let's just talk a little bit about your journey. So yeah. I have written here from, from our notes that mm-hmm. you identify as uh, she, her, trans leather dominant. Is yeah. that accurate? I'm sure yeah. there's a whole journey there. Yeah, but definitely a dominant. I mean... As much as I love the idea of submission, it's really from a top point of view. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Service top kind of a thing. So, yeah. Okay. And you're in San Diego. And yes. how did we get connected? How did we get connected? So, I guess I'll shout out to some of the other folks. So, Casey's uh, amazing. Casey's highly involved in the Club X and Kink community out here. And so, I guess uh, you and Casey can connect as well as, um, oh, <laughs> I've been working Han- all day. I know Hannah was one Hannah, person. thank you very uh-huh. much. So Hannah's yeah. fantastic. So yeah, exactly. So both of them reached out and mentioned me. And so, yeah, and I've been around doing so. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, Hannah's amazing. It's so funny because I met Hannah at um, Sanctuary. I was being mm. tied up by one of my friends. And I heard I heard a voice out in the corner saying, that's him. And that's, that's like one of the first time I felt <laughs> famous, kind of. I was like, is, is, are they talking about me? Like, that's that's the guy with the podcast. I'm like, oh, my God. She is talking. But I couldn't talk because I had like a gag in my mouth and like I was all tied up. Mm. <laughs> but Hannah's great. Um, and Hannah yeah. came up here with a group of friends one weekend. And I was like, I, I need more San Diego people. I need more. Mm-hmm. Um, like the whole goal of this podcast really is to give a voice to the entire community, you know, for purposes of posterity and for education. And I think we can all learn a lot from each other, whether or not we agree with everything that each other says, at least understanding each other's stories is so powerful, you know. It's huge. Thank you so much for doing this. And thank you for inviting me on this. Absolutely. And a big shout out, a big thank you for all those in the community to, you know, spend time in the community or also slowly bringing it back from kind of the COVID uh, situation. So just a huge shout out to everyone who's doing events or trying to do events or just listening to this podcast to stay connected. So absolutely. Well, let's jump in. Okay, so yeah. you 
Well, first of all, where did you grow up? So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, like I said, I but I didn't come out until really uh, until I was I was a late life bloomer. So and when you I, say I was, coming out, do you mean like uh, transition? Oh, as far so, as your yeah. gender. Yeah, as far okay. as my gender. And prior to this, I, <laughs> so I tried to do the whole the whole. Yeah. I was born in the seventies, right? So nobody okay. did this, um, and nobody did this growing mm-hmm. up. You know, nobody was queer. I didn't know anybody who was queer in my high school. No one was out, right? And so, <clears throat> coming out and being in high school in the nineties was. Um, the peak of the AIDS epidemic was 93. And so coming out then was a death sentence, right? Mm-hmm. And even when I did come out, I came out in 2017. Um, when I came out, I had pretty much attempted to do the whole, um, make everyone else happy but myself. Mm-hmm. So I had a wife. I have a, I have a daughter. I had a house. I, you know, my ex-wife is a, is a lawyer. I, got degrees i you know i did the whole thing and big surprise still not happy yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so i um at a a certain point i couldn't anymore and so my wife and i decided that we would separate we got divorced officially like a year later and um i was Living on my own in Hillcrest in San Diego, August 1st, 2017. Wow. And that was it. So yeah. So 2017, I mean, I, I know that's like five years ago or whatever, but that's yeah. that's so recent. Yeah. Well, I I, I went pretty hard after I came out, <clears throat> mostly, because, <laughs> mostly because I had a life to catch up on, right? Yeah. Like everything else prior to that, I, I'd done for everything, everyone else. Mm-hmm. Now I finally got to live my life the way as I wanted to. <clears throat> so I, um, gosh, <laughs> literally I came out and, and headed straight. And by November I was running up to, you know, um, I think it was by that December, I was up running up to a sanctuary. Wow. And so all of 2018, the spring of 2018, I was, you know, there was DomCon, there was events, there was, you know, classes on dominance, and it was it was an amazing time. Um, so you yeah. just jumped head in, like, at first. <laughs> well, I mean, as one does, they know a little bit about what they like prior uh-huh. to. Well, one does not indulge in those <laughs> things, of course, you know, as a, as a you know. So, so uh, I... Yeah. Let me ask you a few questions then about your your life prior to 2017, yeah. if that's all right. Absolutely. Um, for how much of your life did you know, like within yourself, yeah. that you were wanting to to transition? Yeah. Uh, since I was five. Since you were since five. Since the very beginning, I knew. I knew. Wow. I knew. I was. I was. I knew I wanted transition. I, I knew what uh, what they called quote air quotes right back when I was in fifth grade. You mm-hmm. know, I knew about surgeries. You know, the first thing I googled, oh. or not even googled, it was Alta Vista. Okay, the first thing I Alta Vista right, yeah. <laughs> right. My first <laughs> web crawl or whatever it was was uh the word transsexual because that's all the the words didn't exist yeah no i was transgender i just knew it was trans something right Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean i've known was there like a defining moment where you were like oh wow or was just something you always knew gosh i knew (laughs) i remember in first grade i was i was uh at a friend's house and she was she showed up in a leotard and tights and i was like now that's okay i could do that why can't i do that (laughs) i'd like to do that can i do that um oh you were you were taken aback not because of of the leotard and tights as much as like oh wow like she look hot looks hot it was like oh i could do that i want to do that like that's a great outfit can i do a leotard and tights i mean that was that and that stuck with me uh in fact by the time I was 19, okay, so after high school, I went to JC for a little while. And during JC, <laughs> I was sneaking off to ballet class because it was the first place that I kind of felt normal just uh-huh. for a moment. And I remember my mother, because I was washing my own laundry and sneaking off to this, and I accidentally left my uh, unitard in the laundry. 
And my mom came home and pulled it out. And she goes, is this yours? I said, yes. And she goes, how do you fit into this? <laughs> so it was, she was very understanding. And then she goes, you're going to have to tell your father. And I said, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, I was I I was in ballet. I really, you know, I'm in college. I was an undergraduate in theater and sneaking off to the props room on weekends, not the props room, the costume room and trying on all the things, you know, um, it was, it was, it was a tough time because mm -hmm. back in, gosh, I, so college was 97. No, I still, still, I yeah. didn't, nobody knew about this, right? The beginning of the internet. I can tell you this, Brandon, the, the hardest one. So I was living in New York in 2002, around that time. Yes, that time. Um, we'll get into that in our day. But I went to the New York LGBT Center. Uh-huh. And I was looking there for counseling. And I got in touch with the counselor and finally said the word transgender out loud. And I was in the transgender group. And there were three of us and a leader. And the three of us were still kind of in our assigned at birth genders, struggling with how to express ourselves and struggling with this horrible dysphoria. And somebody finally turned to the leader and said, okay, so what do we do? And mm. they were like, well, let's just talk about this. So around the time of 2002, in New York City, during a trans meeting at the LGBT Center, they didn't have the resources mm. or the suggested profile or the understanding to help us get a doctor, get a therapist, get a plan. It was talk about it and deal yeah. with the feelings. That was that at that point I was I was coming up into my thirties. You know, and and you just think every day is an our day stuck in a body you, you despise. Yeah. So you so you so you you struggle and you struggle through until you can't struggle anymore. And that's when life begins. So I've been yeah. starting life over and doing everything I possibly can. <laughs> up until COVID started to make up for a lifetime in repression. Well, you have many layers here. And not, mm -hmm. not only did you come out as trans and, and know that you were a transgendered person your whole life, mm -hmm. that whole journey, but on top of that, you're kinky too. I'm a kinky leather so... guy. And not just kinky, right? Because there's kinky. But then there's that, that, that layer of community, yeah. right? And the community that really, really worked with me, right? Since I kind of got whiff of it, I was like, oh my God, this is it. Exists. it. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Right? And and you finally, for that moment in your life where you're trying to go to country clubs and trying to start other yeah, you know, I I did hobbies before this. I did anything to keep my mind from popping and, and just driving me insane right mm -hmm. so woodworking running sailing uh golf freaking everything tennis for a while i mean i tried it all until it worked and when it works oh god it's so good <laughs> so good and so yeah the leather dominance just works so let's talk a little bit about how you came to be mm -hmm. you, right? I know you say you have two, two chosen names, but one is your yes. legal name and one is, is the name we're using here today for yes. the purposes of this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, is there a story behind the name Seraphine? Yes. Okay. Okay. So um, Seraphine is... So let me just say, I I have a strong connection to uh, to werewolves, um, whatever it is, right? Okay. Normal by day, dark by night, whatever that is, it just works. Um, and there is a wonderful little movie which is just so kitschy and so, anyhow, it's American <laughs> Werewolf in Paris and Julie Depley, who is gorgeous in tights, 
by the way, like tights. Big <laughs> shock. Um, is a Sarah? Is 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 her name is Seraphine? But she is a werewolf that eats little boys. And I just was like, yeah, I want that. Oh my god! So, oh, she's such a badass, and she's a good one too, like a good werewolf that fight. Anyhow, yeah. So when I saw that, and I, you know. You do a little Googling, you're like, yeah, this is it. This is all the buttons. So I I do wolves. Like, I've got a wolf tattoo on my left leg. I've got, yeah. So I identify as, you know, my my partner. We're going to play. She calls me Alpha, stuff like that. But yeah. it's not like puppy play. <clears throat> okay. Okay, so like I said, it is two parts of me, right? One is very human, the other is very animalistic. And that is the way it is. Huh. And when I play, that's the werewolf sometimes. So, yeah. That's really interesting. Now, the the whole um, like mythology of like mm-hmm. eating little boys. <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, does that do you have a connection with that spiritually? Like feeling like as you went through a transition, like there was a seraphine in you, like eating the, the little boy out of you? You know, I never really got to that point. I mean, seraphine has always been there, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now she's kind of out and about and she can be herself. And mm. when I throw on that leather jacket, when I'm out stomping with everyone else and I'm out in amongst and I'm on, when I'm on and doing and sh- I'm a, I'm a big extrovert, Brendan. Mm-hmm. I, I just, so I'm feeding off all of y'all in events, like <laughs> y'all just sitting there talking to me and I'm just eating it all up. I'm just you know all that energy coming off of people all that event stuff i freaking live for that yeah now yeah now i have to know my limits obviously right and so you know there are highs and lows mm-hmm. but i absolutely just love a crowd yeah there's something all about it i thought i actually thought for the longest time i was an introvert because <laughs> i was so nervous to be like to be me but when I came out and I finally, I realized I was an extrovert because I could have two hours of sleep, but I could come home and then go out to a bar and be in a crowd and I just light up with energy. Right on. <laughs> and it's because everyone's energy is, I'm feeding off of it, like you say. Yeah. And it's, and it is, you know, it's not a separate aspect of who I am, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it is me. Um, during the day, during my day job, obviously, <laughs> I keep everything very, very separate. I work in a very professional environment. I haven't even told my boss. I mean, he knows I like boots, but that's you know that your <laughs> that your leather. No, he hasn't. He hasn't met. Yeah, he doesn't know about Seraphine. I keep the world very separate. It's so funny that you say that because um, I, I've been struggling with it. Like, I won't say struggling, but like. Um, I guess pondering the, the mm-hmm. what is the right balance as a professional versus like where do you draw that line? How much of yourself do you give up to to work in a professional life kind of thing? And yeah. Um, and so the other day my my husband and I went out to Palm Springs for like a weekend and I'm in Whatever was in Palm Springs. <laughs> <laughs> Homosexuality. What? <laughs> <laughs> so i Thank i get God. in my like my red harness and my jock and we go out to the underwear night at yes. at this bar and um lo and behold there is one of the one of my like co-workers who i would say is above me in my field of work and um but then i saw them in a harness and like some nice kinky shorts too and so they come up to me and i could tell they were like about to pull the like now brandon like that's like try to and immediately i was just like you know what we don't have to make this weird we're both human (laughs) beings so before he could even say anything i was like oh my gosh how is it going and give a big hug i'm like this is my husband introduce them and i i just realized like at that point like like yes balance but like 
I don't know. If, if you live life like you're doing something wrong, then it then it will come across as you're doing something wrong, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. But um, and, you've wore, you came so far to to be where you're at. Like at some yeah. point, like where is that line for you of like how mm-hmm. much you're gonna give up? You know. Yeah, and that's an interesting point. You know, because I I've spent a lot of time prior to this, you know, working on my professional life, and I'm and I've and I really do enjoy what I do, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And, and I tell folks here, you know, I I do data and, and marketing sales analytics. Like I draw out the humanity through the numbers and present it in pictures and it's amazing stuff, right? I've spent a lot of time fostering that. And yeah. There have been people who it is that I have come out to at work mm-hmm. and in far in prior places. And for whatever reason whether it's, you know, women don't do that or girls don't do that, whatever standard that is, um, there was a bit of a, a pullback. And oh. people who I knew um, and events that happened, I didn't get invited to, right? Wow. And so things, and so there is, you know, two coming outs, right? Being a trans woman is one thing. Um and that's a lot for people sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it can be quite a bit, right? For some reason. Um, and then you throw on top of that, you know, um, very kinky, dominant woman and, and their brains pop. Um, yeah. And so in a professional world, I've, I've worked very hard to keep things separate. Um, you know, and even some of the, some of the, um, the queer folks I work with, and I love them to death. Um, they get a little squidgy around it, right? I mean, yeah. so I'm in, and I'm. You've had other folks on your on your podcast talk about how it is. There's two coming outs, right? Yeah. One coming out as as queer or gay or, or, um, and then the other one is coming out as kinky and leather. Yeah. And that is that is a different world, and I can't not come out as trans. I mean, I'm me. Right. Yeah. I, my car's got stickers on it. You, you have 10 minute conversation. Those light bulbs are like, oh, wait a second. She's a really tall girl. <gasps> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't hide who I am yeah. as a trans woman. But me, as surfing the, the leather, mm-hmm. but the embodiment of, um, of that is me as well mm-hmm. and uh, it's one of those things that i have to hold back on in, in my professional life just yeah i mean and that's the other thing we are so we're so multifaceted as people like people in general i think often try to oversimplify who they are and the truth is is that we are actually very complex beings and one example i have is a friend of mine who we've since recent the last i don't know several months or so have been exploring a subdominant relationship mm-hmm. and there are things that that we've done together that he never thought he would ever do and <laughs> and there was a moment why do i like this <laughs> <laughs> so there's that moment where you're kind of coming down from that cloud nine or whatever yeah. and and you're like uh, what what am I doing? And I, I recognized he was having one of those moments of like, oh my God, like, what does this mean? Uh, what does this mean for me in the rest of my life? And I just sat him down and I was like, look, breathe, it's okay. Like, this is a part of, of you that's coming out that maybe hasn't before, but this doesn't have to be you 24-7 all the time. Like, you can still go to work and be the boss. You can still go to your husband and be a husband and you can still choose to be kinky when you want to be kinky. You don't have to be all of you all the time kind of thing, you know? And I, I think that's like where we have to remember, like it's okay to be more than one, wear more than one hat or whatever. Oh, and I got a whole nother hat to throw on top of that. Oh gosh, how many hats? Oh, you're a mom. That's right. I have a seven-year-old daughter, right? And what's fascinating about that is my daughter is closer to the leather community than my coworkers are. So, I mean, my wow, daughter yeah. has been to Pride. My daughter knows my mister, Jody Mitchell, who is amazing. <laughs> By the way, and we'll get into this a little bit later on. Big shout out to Jody as being one of those people in the leather community, in the gay men's leather space who's incredibly inclusive. We went stomping last Friday night. He's like, hey, how you doing? He checks in with me. 
He's yeah. an amazing guy and a great role model for those of us who aren't necessarily, you know, cis yeah. men, right? And so he's been very inclusive, very, and we've had an amazing run because I keep saying we, we haven't stepped down yet. Anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm also a mom, and my daughter knows Jody and knows Alex, our boot black, who's amazing, also. Alex is is our is um, San Diego boot black and just incredible with leather, um, and 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 just I cannot say enough about my my two title um, I guess title husbands you know and so they're they're incredible I got really lucky Brandon I got really lucky yeah so. Well, what, what does your immediate home life look like? Did, yeah. So you, do your yeah. kids live with you and everything? And, yeah. and what's the relationship like with your ex? Yeah, that that's always fun. Yeah. Work? So my, uh, like I said, I, I came out and my ex-wife, you know, I said, I'm still into girls. And she goes, well, I'm not. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, you're lost. Um, which actually in, the, in, in hindsight, you know, we were at that point, our, our romantic life was done. It was, mm -hmm. it was for me to be me. Um, it was a tough situation, but you yeah. know, um, so, um, at that time my daughter was, you know, two. And so, um, my daughter has only known me as, as, as female. Now mm -hmm. I have a partner of two years, uh, Tessa, who is incredible, just absolutely amazing. Um, she's she was a former chef um and she's gone back for uh, molecular biology and is just killing it wow. and so i mean just absolutely killing it brandon i'm so proud um so we live together in my little my little condo and my daughter comes she spends a night with me and tessa on the couch and then she my daughter has the big bed and so that's on Monday nights and then Thursday night she's here and then I have her all day Sunday. But most of the time she spends, my daughter spends with my ex-wife. Mm -hmm. That, that has been, that has been hard all I have to say, you know, yeah. I came out, I lost, I lost full communication with my father. We have micro communications. I lost communication with aunts and uncles. I mm -hmm. lost communication with, um, my ex-wife's family not that they were um, not that they were unaccepting but through the divorce the the family that i knew is gone so yeah. i transitioned i lost pretty much i had nothing when i when i hit the streets of hillcrest i had nothing yeah. i had some money from the sale of our house and i knew a few people in the community and that was it right that was it I yeah. sat in a studio apartment with a bed and I cried like for weeks. It was on and off. And then uh, I ran to some people at the center, at the San Diego LGBT Center, which is an incredible resource. Um, and before I knew it, um, <laughs> somebody said, have you, have you been to Pleasures and Treasures? And I'm like, what's Pleasures and Treasures? <laughs> And then they handed me a, a crop and said, okay, hold this, hit this. And I was like, oh, I could, I could really, I knew I enjoyed this, but in reality, I really enjoyed it <laughs> a lot. Now, did you not explore kink with, in your previous relationships? There was a lot of things I did not explore. Uh, I did not explore kink. I did not explore I knew I was. I knew I was mm -hmm. kinky. I mean, everything I read secretly on the internet, everything, you know, I snuck around. But but you have to understand that um, my ex-wife knew I was trans. You know, we had a 15-year marriage, and she knew going into it. And she said, okay, well, look, if you want to make this work, stick it out, and we'll make this work. But the rules were stay a boy. Stay a boy and stay within the lines. And so that line was very heteronormative very vanilla very white picket fence two kids and a dog we had dog we had one kid and we were on our way to another and it was supposed to make you happy brandon you don't understand the prescription for life 
have a have a wife, have kids, have picket fence, have a job, smile, and then somehow you are happy. Yeah. Like this is it. This is it. This is what they've told you from Fred Flintstone through the Jetsons right on up to. I mean, there's there's no '80s sitcom that didn't have. I mean, maybe my you know, but it, it just that was what was supposed to make you happy. Yeah, and it didn't. And when you get to that point, when you really get to that point, I mean, I had a house, Brandon, I had a six bedroom, 3000 square foot house with a pool. I had a gigantic truck. I was living it. I had a wife who was a lawyer and I was working professionally. I mean, we were, we were, you were killing it. I was quote unquote killing it. And yet I still wanted to kill something else. So, I mean, (laughs) content warning, (laughs) just FYI. Trigger warning, just to throw that out. Just, you know, turn it off right now. I mean, yeah, so that was, that was, and, and thank the, thank the goddesses that I'm, that I'm still alive. Right? So. I mean, looking, looking at where, like, from where you're standing today, uh, if you could talk to 10 years ago, you, 20 years ago, you, I mean, what would you tell them? Okay. Uh, if I could tell my, if I could tell my little, <laughs> so in college, my roommate Phelan, who's delightful, had an entire room that was all black, right? Okay. He had a snake. He had posts that had whole, you know, uh, what tie points to him, right? Phelan, who's still in my life today, right? And he, that beautiful boy, if I could have told that little me back then go spend more time with Phelan and do not and and stick on the path that you know you're going to be happy Hmm. come out sooner because even if even if I had no it's a lie it's a lie making this is really it making other people happy does not make you happy Hmm. making other people happy is not the prescription for joy and it is a it is and sure briefly yay i made you know hundreds of people happy whatnot and then it's gone because there's no amount of people you can make happy to actually make yourself fully content Mm -hmm. and so i would have uh i would have gone right into family and say okay put me in the right dress and let's go back to to theater um If I could have told myself that I was going to be who it is I am right now, if I could have said, look, you're going to have a phenomenal, gorgeous girlfriend. Your daughter is going to be very happy. You're going to work professionally out as a trans woman. And you're going to be valued both in your community and in your life. I would have laughed. I would have said, that's bullshit. It couldn't happen because thinking back then, nobody did this. Mm-hmm. Not unless you wanted to end up on a, you know, gosh, do you remember the stories of the 90s? You know, you had things like the crying game. Good Lord. Right? That was, that threw me back in the closet. Yeah. That's some scary stuff. Tell someone you're transgender and they go and they puke in the toilet. Good Lord. What? I mean, that was a story that we were fed. Being me was horrible abomination that made people want to vomit jim carrey in that situation i mean it was it was very clear stay in your own lane stay in your own lane what was would you say the turning point for you that made you decide you know what fuck Mm. it like Mm. i gotta live my life gotta do it the way i want It, it 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 was a slow build um of course marriage equality thank you to everyone else out there who was fighting that fight well before me you laid the groundwork thank you so marriage quality was a huge one and when i got to see more and more people accepting of lgb mm-hmm. folks and b even still right that one still we need to work on that more across the board but then to seeing other trans people and hearing great stories of success and then I finally, you know, uh, I got to the point where it, as you see other people and hear about people 
being themselves and enjoying life, it becomes harder and harder to pretend that you're happy when you know, you know, they say it's the grass greener on the other side. It is greener on the other side, Brandon. <laughs> In this particular yeah. case, stop starving yourself. And I saw enough trans folks living life positively, happily, and then being accepted. Yeah. Well, holy bloody hell. Wait a second. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to be, you know, beat up and killed. I mean, there are still places. I'll be honest. I'm definitely not going to. <laughs> I'm not. Go there are places I'm still not going to go hang out. Yeah. But it was enough of those stories to make you just realize that, that I. it's possible. And it makes it really hard. And the dysphoria gets really bad. It's really bad. It, and not all trans people have dysphoria. It's not a prerequisite for being trans. I did. I did and I have. And I had it for my entire life. And if you tell me right now, yeah, I, yeah, like I said, if you told me 10 years, 20 years ago, you could have clarity of thought rather than having to fight who you are. I mean, it used to go, you know, focus, focus thought focus focus you're not you wake up look at yourself in the mirror hate it hate it every day i remember i remember struggling because i didn't i didn't have puberty until i was late <laughs> that was that was fun my body didn't i actually had to have testosterone shots to start puberty wow and i wanted to tell the doctor I don't want testosterone. I want estrogen. And I shut that voice off. And I shut that voice off again and again and again and again. Until you just can't do it anymore. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's that. And then you do come out and you get to be who you are. And then people accept you. And the fuck? Sorry. Read that. <laughs> Can we curse? Yeah, absolutely. Fuck shit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fuck shit, I never penis. know. I, I don't know what the rules are. I mean, <laughs> cock, balls, vaginas, whatever you want to say. <laughs> all the private. Parts. All the private parts. Okay, yeah. That's what I'm reading. I'm naming this episode all. No. <laughs> all the private parts. Yes. And that is interesting. Okay. Oh okay. God. Okay. This one's funny. Oh, okay. Gosh, okay. <laughs> okay. All the private parts. So. Prior to transition, I kind of wasn't opposed to being attracted to boys, but I wasn't like vehemently attracted. Like I had everything locked down pretty tight, right? Uh -huh. Focus on girls, and I, I totally could. And about three weeks into my hormones, and I started hormones a year before I came out, just kind of trying to ease the dysphoria a little bit. And suddenly, I was in Vegas at some conference, I don't even know, and this boy walked by, and Brandon, he smelled good. Oh, he smelled really, really <laughs> good. And I, that's a problem. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's a problem. Why does that smell so good? Why does he... Like, estrogen really woke up parts of my brain that I did not know huh. existed, which isn't always the case for a, a lot of trans people. But the moment you start saying yes to things, and maybe you can start saying yes to things that you actually like. Yeah. And you start thinking... What do I like? And all the parts. <laughs> so, I, I mean, do, today, mm -hmm. would you say that you are attracted to more than one gender? or? Oh, God, yes. All the genders. All the, all the genders. Gen humans. But, like, not just, you know, I don't care about the body. I do care about the body. I care about all the parts. Oh, really? <laughs> There's fun parts. For the That's interesting. Like a good washboard ab with pecs as hot as effing can be. I mean, God, that's delicious. Oh, my God. A gorgeous girl with, in, in a short skirt with tights and, and, and a boost. Oh, my God. That just blows my brain, right? All the parts on all the bodies is beautiful. What is really sexy? I'll tell you, this is the sexiest thing in the whole damn world confidence hmm. that is a delicious drink if anybody man exude that 
That's a better title for this episode. Confidence, a delicious drink with Seraphine. (laughs) (laughs) As she talks about, well, all the parts. All the parts, yeah. (laughs) That's so interesting, though, because I think a lot of people who are attracted to more than one gender have expressed to me, at least the people that I've spoken with, that they're attracted to, to people with all the parts because the parts don't really matter to them. And I think you're one of the first people that I've spoken with that really, like, say that they're attracted to all those parts, too. So that that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've... <laughs> now, now, how those parts are utilized, right? Mm-hmm. So let, let's talk about the male genitalia, right? Like, that's a great part on a beautiful boy tied up in a chair who I can fuck. Right now, that's a gorgeous part. <laughs> me tied up to a chair, that part's not so that, that part's less interesting to me. Okay. So those parts are delicious and how they're used in the dynamics. And that gets into that kind of um, power exchange, right? So, right? So, so let's talk about your, your yeah. dominant side. How, yeah. First of all, wait, did you always know that you were a dom or did yeah. that grow? definitely a control freak i mean it, <laughs> it took it took a lawyer to keep me in check okay that's right, <laughs> that's right. like i did not <laughs> let's be honest but i mean in college i actually there was a there was somebody who i was dating who was very dominant and i practically took notes from her when i dated her i'm like okay yes i did this um but yeah i'm i i knew it very much it's not just the fact that i'm a control freak i actually do enjoy the process of creating pleasure through that beautiful organ the skin Hmm. and those beautiful windows the eyes right into the brain where it is we can understand um that endorphin play Right, because mm-hmm. I, I I sit there and if I can get you all nervous and scared even before you get on the cross, <gasps> that's delicious. If I can, if you're nervous beforehand, I'm just you're oozing that fear, and I just love it, right? Because that gives me something to play with, <clears throat> and whether and, and so yeah, that dominance is now that's one aspect, right? And that is very much the uh, the werewolf in me. But then there's another aspect of dominance that I think is very important. And we talked a little bit about this beforehand. Mm-hmm. The gift of submission is should be relished by the dominant. By the dominant, I guess. Right? So when I'm when someone is on the cross or if it's submission in any form. Right. I don't care if it's bringing a cup of coffee to me in the morning. There is a responsibility Mm. as a dominant that I feel shouldn't is never taken lightly and should never be taken lightly. And I have spent a lot of my time working very hard to deserve and earn my dominance. So that gift of submission should be earned. Mm -hmm. And that means knowing my self knowing how it is that my limits and also getting to know the needs of those who are submitting to me. Mm-hmm. So if even if it's a quick play, right, really understanding, trying to ask, right, making sure that during that particular session, during that play, right, mm-hmm. um, that everything is put forth very clearly. We've got not just consent, exuberant consent, right? Consent, <laughs> right? And so, the, and, and then what we planned is, is adhered to throughout the scene? Mm-hmm. And that at any point throughout this scene, right? Uh, we, we've all talked about, it, right? Constant check-ins, all of that stuff's very important. But then the scene itself is something that I take very seriously. Um, I, I have several different ways in which I do scenes right Mm -hmm. i'll follow an aristotelian plot line oftentimes right bring things up to a plateau take them to the next level do check-ins right come to a to a peak and denouement that's one theory behind it how it is that i play isn't just about taking right i sure i get very turned on by the whimpers and screams but it's not about me 
mm-hmm. about those who submitted and how it is that they're doing and making sure they get through that journey and come out the other side better, mm-hmm. different, changed, satiated, happy, right? Yeah. And that's my duties as a recipient of their submission. We were, when we spoke about this earlier, I think we mm-hmm. were like really vibing on this topic because I think I remember talking about this for like 30 mm-hmm. minutes with you before. <laughs> and I'm someone who I guess I would identify myself as a switch. For the longest time, I would never really consider myself a dominant until I met the person that saw me as a dominant and realized that I had that in me. But as a submissive, what I look for is someone who can take me on a journey, who can be the leader, and someone who can take me to a place where, like I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. where you have now partaked in, in circumstances, situations, tasks, deeds, you know, obedience in ways that you never thought you would or never thought you could. And because you were led there by your dominant and you trusted them, they took you to a place where you never thought you could go before. And that, for me, is an out-of-body experience. And that is what I want to lead my submissives to attain, is that out-of-body experience. And you can only do that when you do it together. And something that that you said in in our previous, Mm -hmm. and you're going to think I'm crazy because I wrote it down. But uh, I am that that homosexual that writes things down. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, if you're on time, too, then I (laughs) have to turn in your card. (laughs) But um, when when talking about the concept of the importance of understanding that responsibility of dominance, you said, you know, it's a gift that someone will give you when that power exchange happens. And yes, they get to say no. But now you have the responsibility of handling that gift and what is involved with that. The importance of knowing each other's limits, the importance of being good at what you do so that when you are in a scene, you can help them, that you're highly aware and that it's an experience that they're walking away from. Dominance is about being able to read and empathize with that person during the scene. It's a two-way communication and it's led by the pre-discussion, by where it is they want to go and how fast or slow we're getting there. It is an honor, and there is a lot of responsibility when it comes to dominance. And that, for me, it just like rings so many bells because it doesn't mean that you're there to take. It means that you're there really to lead, to be a guide, to be someone who wants to take you on a journey. That's where we want to go. That's why we're here. We're here, you know? right? I mean... It's interesting because you talk about that two-way communication and there's so many things that can get in the way of that. And I'm, mm. I'm guilty. I mean, I don't care if there's people watching, you start gabbing for the crowd. I have been guilty of this, you know, mm-hmm. where it is that there are things that break down that communication between you and your submissive. Um, and it's important to maintain that and work at it. And that's another one of those responsibilities, right? Because oftentimes and and hopefully right they're so lost in in subspace or in submission right that their only focus is on you right yeah it it is your response it's my responsibility right to return that same focus with as much clarity as much concentration as much laser focus as they have yeah and that's that's not always easy i mean i'll be honest i you get a crowd behind me and vying for my attention and maybe hooping and hollering, it's hard. Because now you're feeding off of energy, not just from that person, but everyone else as well. Right, and it's very tempting to eat elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're not there for them. Yeah. You're there for that connection you have with your submissive. And whether it's a rope scene or electroplay or needles or whatever it is, especially when it comes down to their right needles mm-hmm. bad poke right yeah wrong, rope wrong right spot i mean or... you're you, it's not long before things can go very wrong yeah. and they have entrusted you with them yeah right all of them mentally where it is that you're taking them physically their physical pleasure right 
how it is that they're experiencing the world right then and there is up to you as the dominant. And that, holy crap. Like, seriously, that's, that's a lot, right? Yeah. But it's also something that you, you know, that I have worked hard. I do not do stuff that I'm not ready for. Mm. I'll be honest. I, I've got a single tail. I don't, I don't pull that out on every occasion. I'm not just throwing it around. It took me a year before it is I was comfortable enough hitting skin. And that, that comfort, that comfortability spent, you know, months working with it, playing with it, how I slept with it. I mean, that single tail and I have been through stuff before it ever touched somebody's back. Mm-hmm. Right. I got down to where it is. I could hit a post-it note cold after three swings. That's where I was okay with it. Yeah. Right. So that's my responsibility to know my not just my equipment know me hmm. what are my limits am i gonna grab needles and start putting on people no sure i've seen needles i've seen scenes i've been glasses on that's great i'm not there yet nor am i just going to jump into it so i truly believe it is my responsibility to know my know my limits and get to that point before it is i take on someone else's Ness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their happiness, their joy, their experience. Well, we're going to take a little pause right here and end our part one of Leather Talk with Seraphine, Miss San Diego Leather 2019 for today. If you'd like to hear more, don't forget to tune in next time for part two. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Thanks again for listening. And as always, Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay kinky. Okay.